Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns, he shoots. Yes! Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association, this is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. What's up, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Pick and Pod. Along with Chris Persianen and Riley Lucas, I'm Colin Lochran. Happy to be talking some NBA basketball with you all. Chris, NBA season back in full force. We've got a lot of news to get to, but first and foremost, how are you doing today, my friend? Busy, busy, busy. We got a lot going on. We got our WFUV formal of first semester tonight. So, you know, a lot of WFUVers, is that a thing? It works. We'll we'll be busy. Um, Colin and I got a special project that we're working on coming up right after this podcast, which we're doing together now as well. And then speaking of people in the room, in between our special project and that formal, Riley and I will be calling a volleyball game on ESPN+. Big day. We're very busy. Um, but that's how it is, and, and I wouldn't have it any other way, especially given that everything I'm doing today has to do with WFUV Sports, so that is a win for me. A big day for all involved. Riley, how you doing today? You know, it's been a rough one. I'm not going to dive into that. It's been a rough one, but like Chris said so perfectly, everything that I have for the rest of this day has to do with WFUV, so I couldn't, been, couldn't be happier. Wildly huge week in NBA news, if for no other reason than James Harden has finally been traded. The 76ers sent James Harden, P.J. Tucker, Philip Petrusev to the Clippers for Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, K.J. Martin, a 2028 unprotected first-round pick, and two second-round picks, as well as a 2029 pick swap and an additional first-round pick from the OKC Thunder. All the pleasantries out of the way. Harden, now a member of the Los Angeles Clippers, he'll team up with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Guys, really, without talking about the Philly side of things, let's just stick with L.A. first and foremost here because they do have the beard himself. I think this helps their cause in terms of becoming contenders, Mm -hmm. but health and consistency will ultimately determine whether or not they're able to compete with the likes of Phoenix or Denver. I'm going to throw Golden State into that mix out of the fact that they've done it before. Whether or not you think that Curry, Thompson, and company can do it this year with what they have, entirely different discussion, but we owe them that respect given they are champions and have won in this league. I digress there, though. The Clippers on a good trajectory, but I just don't know if they're going to have the stamina to stay in the race come playoff time, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I agree completely. Okay, that's fair. I think especially, you know, the bets they're making on on some players that I know we all watched when we got into basketball, like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Russell Westbrook and James Harden. These are all guys that were stars in 2013 when we kind of started watching our generation really got into the NBA and understood what we were watching. So, you know, you take a look at that aspect of it. I completely understand, but Kawhi Leonard played, you know, back to backs. He's playing a lot of minutes. I think he's going after it this season. Um, I think he knows the Clippers just kind of went all in on him and making it work. I think he's intent on giving them a real like, yeoman's effort at it you know um there's a couple stats i wanted to bring up in regards to the Harden acquisition i just 
want you guys to think realistically here. I want to remove the off-court talk. I want to remove all that stuff because I do think there's something to players who have had their troubles consistently having winning habits in various different spots. I think those players can be kind of brought along with the tide, you know? And I recently spoke to on a podcast that I do separate from WFUV. I spoke to a Clippers beat reporter, Lawrence Murray, for The Athletic, who said that at, at media day, the, the vibe of the team was very much, like, humbled and, like, they know that they are expected to win and that they have it and that they've disappointed. You know, this is not a group that is super lackadaisical or loosey-goosey. So I think Harden could kind of get brought along with that tide. Look at Westbrook, right? Westbrook is a guy that a lot of people had a lot of concerns about, and I think he's been great for them this season. Mm -hmm. The stats I wanted to bring up, just thinking about the on-the-court fit with James Harden. And, Riley, I know you have your doubts about James Harden, so you can be the one to respond to this. But Mm -hmm. just think about it realistically. Last year, the Clippers were 24th in the NBA in assists as a team. Mm -hmm. They were bottom seven meaning 24th, in pace last year as well. That means a lot of isolation possessions are going on if they're playing slow and they're not getting a lot of assists. Mm -hmm. This season so far, just with this charged-up Russell Westbrook that they're trusting with the ball in his hands, they're 15th in assists so far. You think that's going to go up with Harden? I do. And they're a team that in their game – I know it's early. I know it's a small sample size, but they've got the fourth-highest offensive rating in the NBA so far, and they got the third best net rating, mm-hmm. which I think is one of the analytics that is not really, there's no catch-all, but net rating is a pretty good indicator of are you helping your team on the court, is your team better than other teams, etc. The Clippers are really good so far this year, and I bought them as a contender with or without a Harden trade. Mm-hmm. But given that they traded for James Harden, that he'll help them be a better passing team, even better passing team, and play it. they play at a slow pace, but Harden can do that and he doesn't have to have that next step burst athleticism that he used to he can play at that slower pace that he did in Philly Mm -hmm. it'll all work under head coach Ty Lue with Kawhi Leonard with Paul George I think with James Harden given they were able to keep Terrence Mann this is a huge acquisition for the Clippers on the court so long as it works off the court which I know is a question mark here with injuries and with Harden and and Mm -hmm. all the drama but I'm actually in on this team and I'm buying them as a contender. If I had to put a chip down today, they're my pick really? to win the championship this season. Now, I agree with both of you guys. I think you made accurate points, completely correct. I 100% with that whole statement you just made, I fully wholeheartedly believe if he's healthy. Now, granted, like you also said in 2013, these were the top guys then and it's been a decade since then. So I think that on paper, this team looks like they are going to be a contender. And I think you have these big names. You have Paul George, Russell Westbrook, James Harden on a team. I mean, 13-year-old me is screaming. Like, that's incredible. And also on paper, just alone, Harden, he ranks third in career points in active players right now. That's incredible to have someone, a bonus to your team, which was an already incredible offensive team. But now, with that being said, I think the age is going to be the biggest question mark for me and the biggest factor here, as well as the drama, because Harden... He's someone who's been traded three times in less than three years. And I know it's a lot of it's personal or whatever. He doesn't like certain people or he doesn't like certain coaches or he doesn't like owners. It's always something with Harden. But I think that that is a problem that we have to consider. And especially with a team with such big popular names, is that going to be an issue? I'm going to give him kind of a pass for this one because there are whispers that Daryl Morey 
genuinely deceived Harden here. I don't know. Nothing has really mm -hmm. truly come to light. We haven't yeah. had the athletic expose on the whole thing yet. So I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass here. Mm -hmm. From a basketball perspective, I look at this team, and you could talk about the big three because, let's face it, that's what everyone is going to talk about in terms of the cachet involved. But I want to know what Terrence Mann and Norman Powell do now with these guys on the team. If you can tell me that Terrence Mann comes back healthy, he's able to contribute, along with Norman Powell giving you points consistently, mm -hmm. this team can take on a Phoenix. A Phoenix, excuse me. I agree. This team can take on a Golden State. I still, personally, for my taste, and Chris, you know we sometimes butt heads in terms of on-court flair. <laughs> I like what Phoenix brings to the table in transition a little bit more than what the Clippers bring right now for no other reason than, yes, Harden can facilitate, but this is going to be a faster style of basketball, in I my opinion, than what he had in Philly. And I think Phoenix is, they're not going to be a match for Transition, Phoenix. to me, is is a regular season thing. Transition is your side dish, the two mac and cheese, right? Your meat and potatoes in basketball is your half-court half offense. What can you do when you get to the half-court line with 18 seconds left on the shot clock? It's game two. It's game four on the road. Whatever it is, mm -hmm. everyone's trying their actual hardest. Mm -hmm. Nobody's thinking, ah, we have a game tomorrow night. This is this is one where, you know what? Yeah, Tyus Jones could blow by me this time. That's okay. He could have, you know, I'll go get one back on him on the other end. Mm -hmm. This is the playoffs. And when you're thinking about these teams as top-level contending teams, then you have to look at them from a playoff standard and through a playoff lens. And I know that's pretty tough to say three games into our regular season here, mm -hmm. four games into our regular season, but that's the thing with these teams is they're such top-level teams that I, I think you already have to kind of view them through this lens. Denver, how do they match up against a Phoenix, against a Los Angeles, right? That's the way I'm – and a Golden State. Those four teams are, are now my, my top dogs in the Western Conference. Mm -hmm. That's how I'm seeing this. Sacramento, number five for me. I think they're right outside of that top four, and I think they're a good group. Um, but without you know getting on too much of a tangent, I, I just really buy the Clippers this year. I think they've got good depth. Norman Powell, to me, is not someone who should be starting on a contending team. He can definitely contribute. He can shoot. Spots. He can score, but he cannot defend. And even in his great season last year, you could argue he gets better every year. Mm -hmm. I think I would prefer him when he was on the Raptors because he focused more on defense. Now, 18, 20-point-per-game scorer who doesn't defend as much. I prefer the old version for yeah. me personally. But um, on a contending team now with all these facilitators, he can put more effort towards defense. Also, with the Clippers, I think the final thing I want to address is just the, the two centers. You know, they've got Zubac, who does his job well with these stars. He can kind of fill in fill in that role. And you look at the backup they moved for Plumlee last year. You know, I like him for them. I think he's versatile, and he's a good, different look to throw, right? You, you always want to think about scheme versatility if we're thinking about a playoff standard. Can you throw lineups out there with a Westbrook and a Harden and let both George and Leonard sit, but put Plumlee out there and have Man out there playmate. Like, go small, right? Like, you mm -hmm. just have fun with it. Ty Lue is going to have a great time coaching this team. I, I think if everyone buys in, if that's difficult to accomplish, well, that happens throughout history, right? But the teams that are really well coached and the teams that are really great on the court tend to find a way. If there's yeah. going to be a playoff series, it's going to be a shootout, Riley. It would figure to be one against Phoenix and L.A. Chris, mm -hmm. a lot of poignant points there. But, Riley, this team is just – Super fascinating on multiple levels now with the addition of Harden. 
I'm very curious to see just how they're going to end up functioning from an X's and O's standpoint. Correct. I mean, I think if we just look at their offensive rating and from a statistical standpoint, this team could go all the way. But I just feel from more of a personal level, maybe I have a little bit of Brooklyn Nets PTSD, but when you have all these big stars and you form a super team as such, especially these guys who are all-stars and who have been in this game for a long time, I think there's going to be some clashes on the court and it's not going to work out as picture-perfect as we think it will. I think I've just seen it too many times, so I'm a little weary on that. I also don't think they'll be able to hold their own against the the Suns. I think Phoenix is going to be a tough match for them. Um, But other than that, I mean, like I said, on paper, this is a great team. This is a, a dream team, if you will. New dawn in Los Angeles potentially <laughs> coming. It remains to be seen. But in other Western Conference news, Victor Wembanyama. I was going to say, new, new dawn. <laughs> Talk about a new, new dawn. dawn. Maybe. I still wouldn't count out the other guy that plays in Los Angeles, personally. Not that they're a better team than Phoenix or the Clippers as currently constructed. But again, it's a little bit of that Golden State Warriors thing where I have to give someone or a team the respect they deserve. I think LeBron James has earned at least a look in terms of do you have one more run in you? Mm-hmm. That's a conversation for another day. Let's get to our other Western Conference news. Yeah, Victor that's Wendanyama. a conversation for sure. <laughs> it's a good conversation to have. Never opposed to a little LeBron discourse. We always, but. you know, pick and pod, we always do like an episode or two a year where it's just we give in to the big market hype. We do both, <laughs> New, York, we do both New York teams, both L.A. teams, and we talk like Golden State and Miami or Golden State and Boston. It always happens. We'll get to it. Let's get down south, man, because we have to – Absolutely talk about this performance from Victor Wembanyama last night. Colin, I hope you don't mind, but we're going to go ahead and take the lead here. Go for it. Why? Because before you read his counting stats last night, before I want you to talk about the amount of points he had, the rebounds, the, the percentage from the field. But first, let's talk about the fact that with Victor Wembanyama off the floor, the Spurs' defensive rating is 133.3. With Victor Wembanyama on the floor, it's a 105.2. So... That difference is, I, I, I mean, if you told me a team traded for Drew Holiday, Jaron Jackson Jr., Robert Williams, and Quentin Grimes, I would be like, yeah, their defensive rating might improve by 28. What the heck is this, mm-hmm. man? This is his on-off. So he's having already elite defensive impact. Let's start there. Now get to... The, the the flare. You're killing me by not being able to read the numbers here. You really <laughs> dra- you know me, Chris. You can't do this to me. 38 points, Bam. 15 of 26 from the field, <laughs> 3 of 6 from downtown, Bam. 10 rebounds. Yeah, I know that felt good. Two assists, a steal, and two blocks. A historic performance as the Spurs beat the Phoenix Suns. Wembenyama, the first player with 100 points and 10 blocks in their first five career games since Shaquille O'Neal in 1992. Just crazy. Oh! And also the fact that this team went 22-60 and 60 last season, and really they've added no significance other than this first pick. Like, that is unreal alone. I, I want to say, I think, before the season, I said on Pick and Pot, with an episode with Riley Lucas, <laughs> that Devin Vassell at plus 3,500 was one of the best bets in the NBA for most improved player. Not because he would actually be mm-hmm. one of the most improved players, but because with Wen Manyama on the team, people would actually be watching him. Mm-hmm. And it's happening. He's leading MIP discussions right now. He's at the top of them because people are actually tuned in. You know who else is real good? Jeremy Sohan. And there's a power forward who used to play for the Spurs at some point in his career that was short for a power forward that could rebound the heck out of the ball. 
that could play make, that played point guard for the Spurs at times. Jeremy Sohan having five, seven, eight assists in a game reminds me, along with his defensive impact, of Dennis Rodman. Because when you look at the impact that Sohan has on both ends, can you imagine a better fit with Wenbanyama than an undersized four who has more ball handling skills and who can be a weak side rim protector? Mm-hmm. Oh, pick and roll got the 7-5 guy up to the top of the key. Well, it doesn't matter because he's going to make it to the rim in two steps. Oh, and Jeremy Sohan just blocked your shot. Mm-hmm. And now Vassal and Keldon Johnson are sprinting down the court full blast, going to dunk on you in transition. Like, this team is already fun and feisty. They're very young. They have an opportunity to add more talent. And what scares me most is the cap space they have. We talked um, – Last week with Miles Grossman about teams that could look at Emmanuel quickly now that he's entering restricted free agency next offseason. And we brought up the Orlando Magic as a team that could want a young point guard. How about the San Antonio Spurs as a team that could drop 24, 25 million a year on a quickly and put him next to Vassell, Sohan, Wenbanyama? You can have Keldon Johnson be your fifth starter on a team like that. The spacing, the playmaking, the, the shooting. It would be a great lineup, and it would be a step forward for them. This team is so exciting. I wish I could be as excited as you both, but I have so many concerns because as of now, in this moment, I mean, you mentioned all the cap space and all that, but in this moment, this team solely is just dependent on on Wemby. Mm. And now what happens if he goes down, which he easily could? He lo- which is, I mean, let's just be real with each other here. <laughs> Look at his legs. They are as thin as my pinky. If he goes down hard, he's going down hard, and he's going to be out for the season. It is just a fact of what? a matter. It is. It How is, is that a fact? I'll, I'll, I'll find look at eight that videos man. of you right now of him falling, and it was a shocker. He's playing next I'm telling week. you, it takes one bad fall, and that Spurs season's over because they are so dependent on Wembenyama right are now. The- <sighs> they are. It, they are, and it's very— They're like a 27-30 win team without him. No, yeah, because you're going to get the Keldon Johnson spectacular game every well, once in a while. He's, a, he's not great defensively. Someone needs to remind him that he's going to play for a team that's competing. Trey now, Jones, Trey Jones, and Vassell, and all that. That I like. As far as Wembenyama goes, Riley, he's on the Kevin Durant and Chet Holmgren diet of how thin can we possibly be? I agree, it's a little bit of a concern, mm-hmm. but this is like the next evolution of player you're looking for. There was this picture the other day of uh, Wembenyama and Durant and Wemby's, I think, either shooting or dunking over him or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And someone said, this is the next evolution. And I thought it was precisely correct. This is kind of what you're looking for in terms of a player. I mean, if Wembenyama starts to really take off Mm perimeter-wise, forget about it. You're not guarding the kid. He's 19. He's seven foot. What more could you ask for? In terms of the Spurs going forward, they're fun, they're frisky, they're extremely young. The youth, to me, is what is a sticking point. Because as Chris mentioned, the regular season, run and gun, it's not necessarily about the defense. Mm -hmm. If the Spurs can have some really good regular seasons going forward, get good playoff seating, work on the defense, you got the guy to do it. Mm -hmm. By the way, you got the coach that has been around the block. And they just extended him. And they just and he he looks rejuvenated, by the way. Which is crazy. I really (laughs) thought this was gonna be it for him. Yeah, I thought this was gonna be it for him. And I think after he saw Wemben Yama, he's like, nah, I can't leave it. (laughs) It's not over. I think that they're gonna be a force to be reckoned with in the coming years. I don't know if this is necessarily their year. I don't think it is. My rivalry to watch, Spurs Thunder. I think Holmgren versus Wemby. That turns into one of the Premier and the Spurs will and I go, love it. The Spurs will go sign a big time guard and the Thunder will have Shea 
It'll, it, I love it though. It. I really do because I think it's a matter. It's been a matter of time where we've needed a switch up in the league. Like we've had these consistent, you know, the Golden State Cavs saga, just Golden right. State coming around and all of that back and forth. You have the Celtics, you have the Bucks. It's just these same five teams I feel like getting talked about. And now that we're really shaking things up with this most recent draft, I think this is one of the best drafts we've had in the last couple of years mm-hmm. in terms of shaking things up in the league. And even on the Eastern Conference side of things, someone like Paolo Benchero mm-hmm. is in that mix too in terms of young players that are really making their presence felt and an impact in the league. As far as rivalries go, I really want to see a Wemby-KD first-round matchup. I don't know if we'll get it. I don't know how the seeding works out. I don't know if the Spurs can get out of a play-in position, maybe get like the sixth seed to play Phoenix in the three. Mm-hmm. But if somehow we can get that, oh gosh, I would love to see a whole series worth of that because just from a physique standpoint it's Mm -hmm. not to sound too corny it's beautiful basketball to watch from an entertainment standpoint am i wrong in thinking that no i agree you even you even look at the 4-0 dallas mavericks right now with the young big like Derek lively who they were able to grab with what the 12th pick like this was Mm -hmm. a really good draft riley and and oklahoma got case and wallace at 10 or 8 i think he was at 8 and lively was 10 Mm -hmm. something like that um and then thompson someone who went you know, to the Rockets early on. This was just a really, really great draft. We'll see Scoot Henderson struggling early, but rookie guards struggle early. That's what mm-hmm. happens. So nothing to be concerned about there, in my opinion, just yet. I-, I think I'd be really encouraged if I were just an NBA fan, which I am just an NBA yep. fan. I am really encouraged by the young talent in the league and what they have going on. Mm-hmm. It's and, just it's great. And I mean, not to dive into the whole draft thing, but for the most part, I think – Aside from just how great this draft was, I think this season there wasn't a huge loser. I know that sounds crazy to say, but I feel like most of these players ended up in the perfect spot for them. And I feel like in the previous years, I've always had a problem where guys have ended up. I'm like, that was a terrible fit. It would have been so much better this way, this, this, and that. But this year, every not every team, I can't say every team because there's obviously a couple I'm not happy with. But for the most part, 90% of these draft picks, I feel like fit perfectly where they are now and it really spiced up the league and I think coming from the perspective as an NBA fan like you said Chris this is going to be a great season you covered all of our bases in the west let's shift over towards the east specifically here in the Big Apple the New York Knicks two and three their next game tonight at Milwaukee I believe that's an NBA cup game indeed I'm not quite sure if fans care about that yet (laughs) I haven't made that decision I think they might I don't know I I hope they do because I think it could be good for the sport but I don't know if I care about it yet enough to start to analyze it regardless the Knicks two and three coming off of a loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers 95 to 89 at the Garden Chris I look at this team and it's a little bit confusing that the offense has struggled to the extent it has but then I look at Julius and I go, no, that's why it is struggle mm-hmm. because he has played poorly and I have to critique him when he plays poorly because I'm one of the first people to give him credit when he plays extremely well. Considering they ran it back for the most part, obviously you had DiVincenzo, but for the most part, this is the same roster that we saw last year minus Toppin. Right. I'm a little concerned with how the offense has struggled. I'm very concerned with how Randall has struggled. I do think he figures it out to a certain extent. But this team, there's just, just something off with it. I mentioned it in my postgame report. They played as a group of good individuals at times against Cleveland that back-to-back. I didn't get the sense, especially in that second game of the Garden, that they ever played as a unit together. And in an Eastern Conference where you're dealing with Giannis 
and Dame, and then in Boston you got Jalen Brown and Tatum and all of these stars. You're gonna have to play as a cohesive unit if you want to make any noise. In fact, that's what you—that's what won you the series last year against Cleveland. That's why you were able to push Miami to six games. You played together as a group, and if they don't do that, they're gonna be in trouble. Colin, I think the Knicks are in trouble just looking at Julius Randle's play so far. I think it's really bad practice to single out one player as the reason why um, a team is struggling, and I hate that process typically in a vacuum, but. Looking at the Knicks and having watched all their games so far this season, I'm going to do it here and agree with you. You take a look at that last game from Randall. It was bad. It was not. It was atrocious. Mm -hmm. But it it (laughs) wasn't similar to the games he had last season or the year before even when he gave poor effort. This was really different. And, And it seemed like... It almost, I think, strengthened the case that, sure, he was hurt in the playoffs and, and you know, immobile at times to, to an extent relatively for his standards. But because of how just careless he looked this time around, it was not a matter of, hey, this guy is trying out there. I don't think I can say that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's I know that's rough to say from the couch, right, or to say from the studio, but... To me, it, it didn't look like he was trying, and the effort has to be better because at the end of the day, you know, Randall's playing on a team with expectations, and, and that's something that the Knicks have dealt with a couple times, and every time they've dealt with expectations coming into the season, Randall's really struggled. Mm-hmm. To put the performance into context, and Riley, I do want you to jump in here, six points, three of 15 shooting from the field, 0 of six from downtown, six boards, four assists, which means nothing in this type of game when you needed offense. A lot of the problem is Randall, Riley. Are there any other things that you have noticed about this team that has lended itself to them struggling out of the gate? I mean, I completely agree. I think the biggest factor here is Julius Randall. I mean, to miss 12 of 15 shots is outrageous. He he went, I think, 5 of 22 opening night against Boston. Yeah, well, I just think for Julius Randall, the expectations that we had set in place, I mean, we talked before the season started, and I think both of us even – coming from a different perspective as you still thought that these Knicks would come out way stronger offensively. I think it's obviously the offense that's uh, very disappointing here. But as two Knicks beat reporters, we both, I mean, we all know that he went through ankle surgery this summer. And you guys have more of a look into what goes on behind the scenes. And I was just wondering, from your perspective, do you think that's a big factor here? That's a good question. I think it plays a factor in terms of his preparation for the season it shouldn't play a factor in terms of his effort if that makes sense so it's fully possible that the performance has been hindered in one way or another because of the healing process and he's still working himself Mm -hmm. back into that groove what I don't like is the body language and the effort stuff Mm -hmm. because to what really what Chris had said I'm going to harken back to this it's different than the other times where you could question the effort in that this almost just feels like a deflated Mm-hmm. sense of self whereas before it was a little bit more of that angry like why is this happening like the competitors coming out in him he, there were times he just looked deflated and for as much as we can put it all on Randall Chris I also got to criticize the team as a whole I still think that they're finding their groove offensively it's clear to me they're trying to move away from the iso ball work that they had done in the last three years I think they'll be able to move away from that but there were also moments where I would look at someone like a Brunson mm-hmm. or a Hart and say, 
you're kind of leaning back into that identity because you know that the team needed a bucket instead of just staying true to the process. Like, it's good. you're going to have to break a couple eggs to make an omelet in one way or another. I think you look at Reeves, Boncaro, a couple of these guys. Yeah, Paolo had 25 last night, but with some of these guys, they they have feeble legs. <laughs> they, they look like they played over the summer. Now, that's not an excuse, but it might just be that they don't want to run too much off the ball right now. Whatever it is, it, it's not working. Um, and obviously takes a, a multiple, you know, set of fa- a, multi- a large set of factors for a team to struggle so awkwardly like the Knicks have thus far. Things have to be going right for them. Well, they have good players. You know, they have talent on the team. So, yeah, they can score the ball. They've won some games against some good teams like Atlanta. But what is it that's going wrong for them? I think it's the fact that you're right, Colin. They're not playing with much rhythm. They're not playing with much urgency right now. Brunson is always someone who gets himself going before anyone else um at the start of a game that's completely fine right but does that mesh with how Julius Randle is best in the first quarter because he likes to get going in the first quarter how many guys can you have that like to get going in the first quarter RJ Barrett arguably has been the best this season out of those three who could have seen that coming right (laughs) so RJ Barrett has been really consistent he's been good at getting to the free throw line and making his shots once there Mm -hmm. and he's making his threes at a decent enough clip this season for me to say like hey this guy might honestly be after Mitchell Robinson and Emmanuel Quickly, the one of the best players on the Knicks so far this season, and that 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 can't be the case. So the Knicks, you know, you can look at it from one perspective. And I said this after opening night, the four point loss to Boston. Your best two players in Randall and Brunson had brutal games, and you still only lost by four to the Boston Celtics. The flip side of the coin is, if there's any two players that cannot be having bad games against a team like Boston, it's the guys who get paid the most, mm-hmm. right? So. Is is R.J. Barrett got his extension? Emmanuel quickly did not. Mitchell Robinson is paid about fifteen million a year. You know these guys, the, these three players. If you add in a Hartenstein, the four of them, their annual salary adds up to what Randall Brunson and Hart make. So you know these guys can't be the ones that are struggling, and these other guys can't be the ones that are saving their butts. And you mentioned Hartenstein, made me smile there a little bit. Him and Robinson have not been bad this year, which is the mm-hmm. flip side of this coin. The defense has not been atrocious and by any stretch. That's what Thibodeau was concerned about in the preseason was the defense, and it's been good. you got to score some baskets to win the game. I look at this team, it's clear to me Julius Randle has to find Julius Randle, mm-hmm. again, for lack of a better phrase. He needs to find himself. Yeah. Until he does that, this team is going to be in this perpetual state of running in circles. R.J. Barrett dealing with some knee soreness. He's still questionable. For tonight's game against Milwaukee, I would imagine he plays. He was close to playing the other day. At least that's the sense I got mm-hmm. being around everything. So if they can get some good play out of Barrett, if they can get Randall back on track, they'll be fine. It's not time to hit the panic button yet, but it is warranted to show a little concern. I agree right there because I think obviously we can say Julius Randall is a big factor of this. And for someone who's the star of this team to have their three-point percentage drop, just so immensely just one week into the season it's crazy but at the end of the day we are only one week into the season we can't make these big season-long predictions yet because everyone's just finding their rhythm and also again back to the ankle he wasn't able to practice five on five till training camp and I know that's not he still should be performing a lot better but at the end of the day he's just trying to find his groove still and I think I'm coming from maybe a positive perspective here which is rare when I talk Knicks but I really just think it's so early in the season that we can't even make these conclusions yet. It's going to be a long year for me if Julius <laughs> Randle can't find it. I have been a vehement Julius Randle supporter. I will remain that way. I digress. Knicks taking on the Bucks tonight. Shifting over to Brooklyn. The Nets are 2-2. Two and two. Yes. Your Brooklyn Nets, Riley. 
They've had some nagging injuries so far this year. Claxton out tonight against the Chicago Bulls. Spencer Dimwitty day-to-day. Cameron Johnson has a calf strain. It's going to be reevaluated in about 10 days. Dennis Smith Jr. dealing with a hip problem. He's day-to-day as well. Questionable for tonight's game against Chicago. I thought this Nets team would be fun and frisky. Mm -hmm. I didn't think they were one of the top teams in the East. Mm -hmm. But a lot like last year, and I mean the second iteration of last year where we had Bridges and Dorian Finney-Smith and Dimwitty, I thought they could give some teams trouble Mm -hmm. because they have a lot going on all at once. And I didn't quite know what we'd get out of Claxton this year. I didn't know Dimwitty would even be back, to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. I certainly didn't know if Cam Thomas was going to play to the extent he has this year. And that's really where you have to start with this Nets team is Cam Thomas. He has been something else for them. He's averaged 28 points per game over four games this year. He's been their number one scorer, even past Mikael Bridges, who a lot of people still think has another level to him. Mm -hmm. But regardless, with where we're sitting right now, Cam Thomas has been the best player on the Nets this year. And I think aside from all the previous KD, Kyrie, all that nonsense that occurred, the Cam Thomas conversation has been some of the biggest talk in the Nets world. Or do we start Cam Thomas? Do we play Cam Thomas? Do we trade Cam Thomas? It's Even Cam Thomas is tweeting, like, trade me. <laughs> it's just been this huge, crazy saga. And I've had my doubts about Cam Thomas. I've been very vocal because I think Cam Thomas will show out for a good four-game run and then not. And he's too unreliable in the sense for what this Nets team needs right now. But judging off how he's played so far this season, I'm all for it. I mean, how could I be against that? If he keeps playing like this and continues this offensive incredible motion he has going on I I say start Cam Thomas let's really I think we need to develop him more as a player either way why haven't we utilized him I know I've had my hate comments for him thinking he's not as beneficial for this team as we need him to be but the way it's looking let's utilize what we have here we know that this is not I don't want to say it's a fully rebuild year for the Nets but it pretty much is we have a big roster switch up we can confidently say If they do make it to the playoffs, which I, of course, hope they do and think that there's a shot, they're not going to win the NBA Finals. That's just it's just not going to happen for what I see right now. So I think we should at least utilize this team as a rebuild team. And I think with what we see offensively from Cam Thomas, we could do that. He's been a stud so far. I mean, you take a look at the contributions from him. It's consistent scoring and shot creation. And, you know, looking at the Nets when, you know, previewing their season, that was the number one thing we, we agreed. All of us agreed. Miles, you know, we all agreed they needed was shot creation. Macau Bridges is a nice player. He's a great number three on a contending team, in my opinion. But where is the guy who, and there's defense in front of him, guarding him tight, lots of ball pressure, who can, without a screen, get to the rim and get you a bucket or separate himself from the defender and pull up and get a bucket. That's Cam Thomas's game. And, you know, the Nets drafted him to probably be that kind of sixth man, Jordan Clarkson type of high-end scorer off the bench for them with Irving and Duran and whatever else they had planned when they made that decision. But now looking at it, he's really got an opportunity to, to come into his own and I want to say like a Tyler Hero type of role for, for this Brooklyn team. But part of Hero's game is his playmaking and passing. So I think Cam Thomas, a goal for him could be to continue having this scoring impact while making teammates better. I Mm -hmm. think that could be a nice next step for him. The Nets are fun and frisky and all of the above, right? But how can they be productively a bad team throughout the season? Well, it's by trying to be a good one (laughs) 
at least trying to be a good one and maybe ending up a mediocre one. The way you do that is by defending the ball. You got to stop the ball. You got to put pressure at the top of the key at the point of attack. Cam Thomas has the athleticism to do these things. He just doesn't. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying that's going to be his game, especially if he's carrying a heavy offensive load. But effort is is 51 percent of defense. I say it on like every pick and pod. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's it for me on the Nets. I think they're a simple team. I love how you said that because with Cam Thomas and its net squad, I think exactly like you said, he has the athleticism. I think he can carry this team offensively for the most part. But my one doubt that I've consistently had about him is just his basketball IQ in general. I think he just goes out there and just goes a little crazy on the court. He just wants to put up those shots, and he just doesn't really think. And I think that'll come with maturity. I do. But in the sense of this is somewhat of a rebuild team. I can't blame him too much because I do think he's he's felt like he's in a situation in, in Brooklyn where he has to prove himself a mm-hmm. lot because he doesn't get minutes even consistently. You know, even when he's scoring all those points, he gets put to the bench. And I, I do feel like he feels like he has to prove himself. And the way he's going to do that is with his scoring. So mm-hmm. I understand it's it's a general view of, like, immaturity to um, be putting up shots so much. But I just think that he's kind of had to because of his standing with the team thus far. Mm-hmm. As far as defense is concerned right now, Brooklyn – not a great defensive rating, 23rd in the NBA. I do think that improves. Mm-hmm. Something worth watching, too, is if Jock Vaughn will be able to add wins to mm-hmm. this Nets roster. Great coaches can add wins. I don't know if Jock Vaughn is there yet as a coach to be able to do that for this team. And anytime you have a player like a Cam Thomas who's got that artist quality of wanting to go out there and kind of razzle-dazzle his way to the hoop, put up some pretty threes and mid-range shots, you got to hone it in a little bit. I'm not comparing Cam Thomas to Kobe, mm-hmm. but our, uh, Kobe had that element of being an artist to where he was a little bit of a loose cannon at times early in his career. Mm-hmm. Great coaches are able to kind of rein that in. I don't know if Jock Vaughn will be able to do that with Cam Thomas, but it's something worth watching. Yeah, and I think, too, aside from Cam Thomas, the most notable thing to note right now is how they were able to get that heat win with all these injuries. Maybe there's talk that it was a little bit of luck, but I think that this Nets team really impressed me this game either way because a big chunk of the roster is out. Even Mikhail Bridges not returning in that second half. And the way they were able to shake it up with the team that made it so far into the NBA Finals, it speaks volumes of the potential we have or the potential the Nets have this season. Brooklyn Nets taking on the Chicago Bulls tonight in Chi-Town. That's going to do it for this edition of Pick and Pod. For Riley Lucas and Chris Percyinen, I'm Colin Lochran saying so long from the Bronx. My bad.